But today, at this conference, our main focus is this last point, to live life to the full and to serve the Lord and other people where we are now. So today, for this whole conference, both today and the second part in the end of October, we have a much more outward-looking focus. And we have asked the speakers. We have one main speaker today and one main speaker the next Saturday, the last Saturday. And we have asked them to speak about what they did or what they are doing in the midst of their longing and waiting. But also try to put the waiting in a bigger perspective and broader perspective to inspire us all to live life to the full here and now. So even if your longing doesn't look exactly as the speaker's longing and waiting, I would like to encourage you to, to try to listen to the principles. What can you or what can I learn and apply to my or your situation? We have two important questions for us all for me and for you today, where have God put you? And what has he put on your heart? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's Ambassador, ambassadors. So God gave us, Jesus' followers, the ministry of reconciliation. That's a, a very big and a very beautiful thing. So our longing is that we will all see God's bigger mission, his bigger picture and his bigger mission, where we are his ambassadors, that we are ambassadors for Christ's hope for each other and also for this world, and to see hope renewed in our lives, but also be hope for other people. So our longing <laughs> is that you and we all will more and more discover your calling or our calling in the midst of our longing. Amazing, thanks Lena. And um, I think I'd just like to add to that. Lena and I have been meeting and praying over the last year and obviously we hoped that this would be happening in March, but just to encourage you that we've really sensed God's voice in everything that's gonna be said today and that has been said at the last two breakfasts. But um, with the speakers that are going to be speaking today and in a couple of weeks' time, we really believe that God has some huge things he wants to remind us of and teach us and tell us again this morning. So please just come with expectant hearts today. I think that's our heart, that um, God might awaken us again to the hope that he's put in us in Jesus and that he might reveal new things to us and lift our eyes up. Um, so, yeah, I just encourage you to be expectant this morning as you're sitting in your home now, just to invite the presence of God to come. I've just been blown away over lockdown. I'm not sure about some of you, but actually God's so kind in coming to us in our homes and whilst churches look different and whilst 
our normal gatherings have looked really different. He is mighty to save and is mighty to come amongst us. So expect this morning that he's going to do that and come amongst us. Lena just touched on a few verses from 2 Corinthians 5, and I'd just love to read those to us um, before we invite Sophie to come and speak to us. And then I'm just going to pray for a few minutes. So I welcome you into this time of prayer now. So 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20 say this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So Father God, we just want to open up our hearts and our homes to you this morning. We're committing this time to you, Lord, and we thank you that you love to draw near to us when we draw near to you. And Father, we just want to say that this next couple of hours is absolutely yours. It's yours to come and speak truth to us. It's yours to come and bring healing where there's hurting. It's yours to remind us of the hope that you call us to and the reality that we are Christ's ambassadors on this earth. And so, Jesus, at the start of this morning, we just want to exalt you. We want to say that you are God, that you are good, that you are amongst us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your joy. We thank you that you are our God of hope. And we call on you, our God of hope. Remind us what that means for us in a really tangible way in our circumstances. But we put you in your rightful place this morning again, Father, and say, come and have your way. Come and speak to us through your word, God. Come and remind us of the hope that you've called us to. And Father God, excite us deep within us that we are your ambassadors. And there's things right here, right now, in our individual circumstances, despite longings and waitings that you have for us. There's things that you've got for us to do. And we say that you are at work in us and that you are our good Father. And we trust in your plans and your purposes for our lives. And we ask for more of you, Holy Spirit. Come now. In the stillness of our homes, whether we're gathered with a few people or whether we're by ourselves at the moment in this room. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and minister to us. Come and speak to us. For your glory, Jesus. Amen. It's a deep joy and, and a great joy to now introduce Sophie Cohen to you all. Sophie has been part of uh, St. Olive's congregation up till very recently. Last summer she was ordained. She has been studying at Wycliffe and, and, and uh, been part of St. Olive's. But now she is in Peterborough Diocese and is a curate in a, in a church there. So she is joining us over Zoom from her home, I should think. 
um, and she will talk about making it home, a commitment to the kingdom. And very war warm welcome to you now, Sophie. Morning. This, this coming hour, more or less, is yours now. And lead us and, and speak to us. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you, Lena, and welcome everyone. It's so lovely to be here. It's so lovely to see um, St. Aldate's, um, where Lena's standing right now. I miss it greatly. Um, I miss you all, actually. Um, and there are some new faces, actually, too, that I've not ever, who I've not met. So um, nice to meet you, even on, online. Um, we're going to be talking, or I'm going to be talking about making at home a commitment to the kingdom. And I think it's quite common for us Christians to speak of coming home to God um, but what does it really mean and I think that's something that needs to be considered theologically through the way we understand God and his relationship with each of us and also really practically um, through how we express our Christian commitment um, and we're going to try and unpick some of that together this morning so it's two parts really uh, what is home we're going to look at and then um, how can we make it home for us and for others so i'm gonna just ask you what is it what does it mean to you to be at home um i found myself to be vulnerably housed um, at the age of 16 and for a long time i would strive to find home it was only as i began to understand the way in which god extends our true home to each of us that I finally found my feet on steady ground. And this brought new life to me and new meaning to the ways in which I sought to share my faith. Um, so I want to just unpack the idea with you now about what it means. Um, does being at home mean to you having a cup of tea in hand, the fire burning on a cold night, um, or having the heating up? Uh, is it having those loyal friends around you by your side or knowing that you can um, shut the door and just relax, turn off Zoom and just relax? Um, are there certain places you felt at home? Do you struggle to feel at home? I'm going to show you some pictures now. Um, of various homes, various houses. The pictures are from Unsplash, so there'll be no copyright issues, but apart from one, and um, that's my own home, and there'll be no prizes uh, for guessing that one. If you know me, you will know which one it is. So, first one. Um, this is Oxford. You've probably recognised this. These traditional type homes with it, kind of English style gardens. Does that feel like home to you? What about a tent? Could you feel at home in a tent? Not a fan of camping generally myself, but, um, but even as a, a prospect for a permanent home. Or a small kind of hut shaped um, house and kind of also in the middle of nowhere. You, would you prefer that? Would the isolation, the kind of separation from the buzz of the city, would that feel at home to you? What about house in the round um, with a thatched roof? And this looks like it's definitely somewhere that's warmer than we are now. Or does music make you feel at home? 
can you be anywhere but if you have your your music on or your ability to play whatever instrument you play would that make you feel at home this is a common one for many of us at the moment sat on the bed of the laptop um but that simplicity of life regardless of how good that is for your posture <laughs> does that make you feel at home the fire burning the mountains in the background does that feel at home for you or on a boat on a canal boat on the water again it's not going to be for me but some people maybe food food is amazing and definitely homely for me i wonder if um your favorite food wherever wherever you might find it would just remind you of that feeling of home the caravan friends um in the chaos no idea whose house that is who could live in such a mess just beyond me um, um pets do your pets are they are they like that home feeling to you um home has so many expressions but in scripture we can see home as an eschatological indicator i could have gone with pointer or signpost but eschatological indicator makes it sound as exciting as it is i think because home points towards a new heaven and earth whilst also revealing the kingdom here and now when we're at home and we when we help others to be at home we are pointing toward the conclusion of all pain and suffering and we make wide the wake lit with the glimmerings of heaven this is how Malcolm Geit has described the work of poets and preachers, those who make wide the wake lit with the glimmerings of heaven. But I think this is a calling for all who know God. Finding a sense of home and creating a sense of home here and now, enabling others to make it home, is such a tangible expression of the kingdom of heaven on earth their glimpses and widening of that vision God has for us. So we've discovered there are lots of potential meanings for um, home, potential um, experiences of home. Um, but to help narrow down the main points, I want to share with you some of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Don't worry, I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read it, but you should read it. It's quite important, I think. <laughs> but besides that, um, just to give you an overview the story is it depicts a dangerous and transformative adventure i think that's fair as the hobbits journey away from their home the shire the author tolkien builds this theme of housing and home for the hobbits the shire is a place of safety a comfort comfortable place a firm foothold they find themselves in many houses and often under precarious forms of shelter with only glimpses of home. Descriptions of outside dwellings draw strongly on the notions of homelessness and the lived reality of vulnerable accommodation. So I'm going to read some to you now. They came on the huge hulk of a tree. It was still alive, 
and had leaves on the small branches that it had put out round the broken stumps of its long fallen limbs. But it was hollow and could be entered by a great crack on the side away from the road. The hobbits crept inside, sat there upon a floor of old leaves and decayed wood. For me, this brings to mind the clusters of tents found in woods bordering towns and cities and behind factories and places otherwise desolate. It's not difficult to learn of the deep sorrow in these places, the isolation, fear and danger, tents being set on fire, belongings stolen, kicked in the night, no possibility of work, the hardships go on and on. But to return to the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien ju juxtaposes this reality against a welcome found in the woods. He says, There is a fire in the hall and food for hungry guests, said an elf standing before him. There the green floor ran on into the wood and formed a wide space like a hall, roofed by the boughs of trees. In the middle there was a great wood fire blazing and upon the tree pillars torches with lights of gold and silver were burning steadily. Food, warmth, relationship, a sense of safety. These things change everything. The transition's not wholly physical, it's not housing that enables the place in the woods to become a home. Inside or outside, the key characteristics of home are much more. Um, this is the last little bit from The Lord of the Rings. As they walked up the green path from the gate, no light was visible. The windows were dark and shuttered. Frodo knocked on the door and Fatty Bolger opened it. A friendly light streamed out. They slipped in quickly and shut themselves and the light inside. Tolkien draws us down green paths into places of peace to show us something of home that is not linked explicitly to a building or a special location. He has highlighted for us food, warmth, relationship, and a sense of safety. These are prominent themes throughout the whole of scripture. These are the provision of God, the offer of Christ, and the hope of the church for all. So I find myself asking, what does it mean to make it home in this broken world? What does it mean to commit ourselves to a kingdom that for so many people is a million miles away from their everyday experience? As we look at these key themes, I would like you to keep in mind this question. How are we receiving these things? Food, warmth, relationship, a sense of safety. And how are we offering them? 
these are the questions that will be will come up for the breakout rooms that we'll have shortly so if you just make a note or have a think i'll say them again before you go into the breakout rooms don't mind now we'll just unpack them a little bit more so food jesus is the bread of life but christ is also the lunch provider the banquet setter let's not get lost in metaphors about food and communion Yes, people will live on more than bread, but not less than it. Give us today our daily bread must not be romanticised. For as long as we provide for food banks, even serve in them, but continue to live excessively, preferring the easy life, we remain to be no more than fools. See Luke chapter 12. Charles Pemberton recently offered this challenge. When saying grace before meals, can we say thank you to God for the food we have in front of us with good conscience? In other words, have we shared as we are called to? Have we included as Jesus did? Second point is warmth. On the road to Emmaus, their hearts were aflame as Jesus uncovered the scriptures to them. The spirit of God is often described as fire. God exudes warmth. But there is a lot of reference to literal warmth as well. Meeting round fires, taking the clothes off of our backs in order to share and to clothe others share with and clothe others. And then there's relationship. We can often think of God with us as a personal individualistic kind of relationship that's you know, precious and I think that it is. But what happens when people turn to Christ in the gospels? They follow and they serve and they proclaim and there's this openness and honesty. We see the hemorrhaging woman reaching out to Jesus in the crowd, hidden, and then all of a sudden asked to step into the light. Openness and honesty are such important themes in relationship. I cannot count the times when I've shared with someone honestly about the messy unpredictable disappointing aspects of my life only to be met with a relieved look and an ease in posture that makes a way for us to breathe easier together even with masks on to share the space more comfortably it's as though the truth breaks out of its box and amongst the chaos and disarray is the beginnings of homemaking. The plates are warmed and the gospel may be served more readily, the meal enjoyed more honestly, faith understood more fully. Parts of um, thinking about relationships, of course, is friendship, the relationship that is just depicted again and again in the Bible. And yet, 
I don't know if it's just me and I'm not talking about my friends precisely, but just generally speaking, friendship can be quite a disappointing um, relationship in some ways. And I think that that's something to do with commitment. So um, obviously I'm married, I stood up and made a commitment to my husband um, before God and before others. And I've been supported and encouraged in this along the way. I wonder why on earth friendship is not the same. Jesus has called us to lay down our lives for our friends. Paul talks about his co-workers in Christ risking their necks for one another and the gospel. There is a requirement that we demonstrate countercultural commitment to our friends. So I wondered what's stopping me. And being a practical person, I decided to make a plan. And I don't know the exact point of my change of heart, so apologies if I'm a disappointing friend. Um, but I did decide that if I'd been friends with someone for a little while and it was clear that they were going to feature in my life for the foreseeable, that I would commit to them. That means in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, until death do us part. If you're thinking that sounds a bit weird, I'm going to just um, unravel it a bit more. So um, with these things in mind, if our friend, friends get depression or if they, for some reason, become insufferable, boring, dreary, energy sucking, it's so easy to drop them. But if we've committed to them, then we won't walk away. We will persistently and sacrificially show them the love of God because we are committed to his kingdom. We are committed to laying down our lives for our friends. Or if our friend falls on hard times and needs financial support, will we sell our belongings and make sure that they have all that they need? Will we not exclude them or forget them or hope someone else picks them up? If our friend develops dementia and forgets who we are, with this commitment in mind, we will visit them. If needs be, we will feed them and clothe them. We will not leave them or forsake them. This is kingdom friendship. This is a way of making it home that any of us can do. It's committing to the kingdom of God. And the fourth point is a sense of safety. The world is precarious, we know this, we're living in a pandemic, and yet there are ways in which we can be steadied even as the earth moves beneath our feet. One way is to be homely people. Christly people, people who aren't there for a for only for a reciprocal relationship. Those people, they commit themselves even when things are messy. And I wrote this um, kind of poem I'm going to share with you. Um, it's about a cleaner, cleaning woman, and I've called her Christ the Cleaner, and I just read it to you now, put it on the screen too. Hopefully you can see that. But I'm going to read it. Christ the cleaner comes in at night, puts on the light 
and sweeps the house. Finds the coin that once was lost. Christ the cleaner knows what needs to be done, gets on and does. Wiping and drying our feet like it's nothing at all. Christ the cleaner washes away the sins of the day, shakes out the old and makes it new, holds back infection, delivers the cure. Christ the cleaner cannot come and go, she stays and weighs the cost of our offering and wonders if we know how much we are loved, how much we are worth, how much she would give, how much she'd bear how much she'll hold the ones we won't touch. Christ the cleaner rises from the dust and vanishes when the time comes, ascending stairs that we have not seen and finally takes her seat. She calls us to ask if we'll help with the task prepared for tomorrow. How desperately we hope that she will simply come again and clean us more wholly, more finally. You come to know these safe people, these homely people, when you've lived precariously. The ones who will stay and then, who will say they'll stay and then actually stay. Who say they will listen and actually listen. They aren't only around for the party, but for the cleaning up at the end. And they will, list, they will answer the phone if you call them and they won't say they're too busy to help. These are the people who provide a sense of safety, a sense of home in these unpredictable days. In the second way, <coughs> Um, is enabling people to be at home. I was praying the night before my ordination um, to, you get ordained twice in Church of England, so deacon then priest, so I was ordained last year, but also this year, um, at the beginning of September. And I had a picture on that night before, as I was praying, of a very low tent, really low, low tent, and it was unfolding and unfolding, broadening and broadening, um, opening up more and more. And first I thought this speaks to me so much of the ministry that I'm called to. Um, nothing high up and grand, nothing shiny, um, but that really accessible form of ministry. Um, that, yeah, no, that's just me really. I'm from a council estate and have long felt call to serve in areas of deprivation but of course scripture is littered with references to tents and now I'm beginning to see this image of an unfolding tent as a way in which we can enable others to be at home even acknowledging at the same time that we are limited in how secure we can possibly be even so tent making is still really important so let's have a little look at tents um, the greek word for tent is skene i'm not a greek scholar who knows if i've said it right skene who knows 
but that's the word. Um, incorporate it, this word incorporates several concepts: um, military tents, places for religious feasts, temporary dwellings, and the Hebrew. It, it, in Hebrew, the word glory, shekinah imagery, also comes out from that word tent. Um, in these times, the tent was a covering made of branches of poles with a matted roof and sides constructed from straw, leaves or skins. Skins is the way I remember the word. Um, and the equivalent Hebrew word refers both to places where God dwells and um, also of human dwellings. There is a sense of these dwellings being both transitory yet incredibly important staples of everyday life. They seem to accept that vulnerability that's really true that we have, and yet there's stability. In Luke 16 verse nine, Jesus encourages his disciples to make careful use of their wealth so that when it's gone, they will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is what we are making our way towards. The incarnation in John chapter one describes um, the word being made flesh and dwelling among us. The Greek verb dwelt comes from the same root as tabernacle. Most scholars on this topic explain the links of the incarnation going back to the days of the Israelites tenting, using these verbs, um, the tenting in the wilderness and following God's presence which dwelt among them as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's kind of a complicated way of saying that these two dual concepts, the provision of dwelling for safety and comfort and the provision of a place where God is met, these together give the truest sense of safety we can achieve in this world. We need to be tent making putting in support structures for others, no matter how temporary, because the stability we offer directs our gaze toward the full and true security of the home that God has been preparing for us. Welcome back. Um, I hope you had a nice time in your breakout rooms. I know that for some people it's an um, um, introvert's nightmare but five minutes hopefully wasn't too painful. <laughs> and um, if you're if you're all the extroverts among us wanted to speak for longer. Um, yeah, I've got a few people now putting into the chat the things that they discussed. So if you've got anything, not, not personal, but you know, anything kind of the general themes that came up, that would be really helpful. Um, and I'm just gonna feed them back before we go into the next part. So in our group, we talked about families treating others as their own, so like opening their doors to people and um, yeah, it, not the sense of not them not being a burden, but actually being one of the family. Um, we had another lady who was talking about how they'd had lots and lots of people um, over for meals um, before COVID, and that that, that COVID's kind of slightly frustrated that. Um, but they're working their way around it now, thinking of the rule of six and how to do it sensibly, um, which was great. Um, we've got someone said they talked about the offer of a covenant type friendship to others and that's a beautiful way to describe it I think um, and what have we got yeah this idea of friendship and the commitment commitment levels 
really important. Um, and then, ah, okay, the struggle of receiving, accepting the offer. Yeah, we, we'll come back to that, I think, um, in the next section. But that's, a, yeah, a big kind of comes under the banner of humility, doesn't it? How easy is it for us also to accept the things that we'd want to offer others? Um, yeah, we can pray a bit about that at the end. Um, and others talking about work and making non-Christian friends. That's really great. I think everyone, yeah, so those are in the chat to everyone. So just if you carry on putting them in there, that will be a real resource for prayer at the end. So I'd really appreciate you continuing to do that. I'm going to share the screen once more. So this is the last section of the talk and I've broken it down into two, two parts, um, unearthing and proclaiming. Um, these are the, the ways in which I think that we can take what we know about home and what home represents and should be and then how we can practically see that working outwardly in our lives let's see if i can move some things around so i can see right um so unearthing i'm going to read your poem but yeah i'll read your poem i'm not going to tell you too much about it it's by bonnie thurston and it's called A Burning Deep Within. A burning deep within, like a mysterious light, glimpsed far deeper in the woods than you have dared to walk. A beckoning, come home, home to your uniqueness, home to the home this world cannot offer, home to the place you belong, to that which you love. To go there, you must develop apathia, the discipline of detachment from all that is trivial, the fragment that fragments or scatters. Develop a unifying heart that gathers like a glass refracting rays of light from the source of the burning deep within. Thurston talks of God in such beautiful terms and um, what she shows us here, I think, is that there's something of home to be unearthed in each of us. There's something of God in us and there's something of that ability to create the kingdom in each and every one of us. And we just need to look carefully and to find it. Um, I think it's easy in this time to feel really pressed on every side and like you can't possibly cope with doing more or um, even praying more, um, but the spirit goes before us. That's true. So I think that it's important to to just have a look and see where is this homemaking already happening around us or within us. How can we get involved with what God is already doing? And there's this really cool word for something like this. I mean. I think it's cool anyway. It's mudlark. I don't know if anyone's heard of mudlarking before, but a mudlark is someone who searches the mud near rivers to find valuable items. I know it probably sounds a bit gross, but I, I think that's this like draws together the picture for me of um, Luke chapter 15, where we've got 
this got such value for money in Luke chapter 50, Henry, parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, parable of the prodigal and his brother. Um, and each of these parables is depicting God searching out the lost coin in this world. God becomes the mudlark um, and then rejoices when restoration occurs. So I wanted to just read to you um, the woman, the lost coin. It's verses 8 and 10 of Luke 15. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We are called to seek out the lost and to bring them home rejoicing. Who might we find waiting to know God's promise? If we commit to unearthing what might actually be right in front of us. And when I say right in front of us, I mean literally right in front of us. I'm going to tell you a story now about um, my internship year many, many years ago. Um, we uh, had a very small band, which consisted of me, a singer, and um, the vicar's son, a pianist. Uh, that was our band. And it, we, we were desperate for more musicians. Um, one, and one day my phone broke and I went into a phone shop and um, the guy was looking through my phone, trying to fix it, not to be a nosy, I assume. And um, he came across my Bible app and he was like, he just kind of made a mm, kind of noise. And I was like, oh, like, are you a Christian? Um, and he said, oh, well, not really. I just, I like to play my guitar and sing along to Christian songs, but I don't like go to church or anything. And I was like, okay, this is uh, an opportunity. Uh, I just said, oh, well, we've got a band um, at our church, our little church. Um, maybe you could come along. So I gave him the time of the um, of the rehearsal, which was in like a really old church um, in, at like eight o'clock at night and it was pitch black. And when I got there before, I was thinking, what on earth have I decided to do? Um, we could have invited anyone. It's just me and the book of sun here. Um, and lo and behold, God had already gone before her, us and had answered that prayer that we had been so desperately looking for musicians and he arrives a guitarist excellent guitarist um and we were able to sing some worship music together and then over the next few months we would um, unfold the scriptures with others in the church and he was baptized and he was just right there like under on his i wasn't searching even i was just i don't know I mean, in the right place at the right time, or waiting on God and listening and hearing and it worked, who knows? But certainly he was right there under my nose. And I think that is quite ordinary for God, to be honest. Um, and the other example I wanted to give you was um, St. Mary's Barton, which St. Aldates has partnered with. Um, they had a, a banquet. I think it must've been about a year and a half ago now. And the St. Aldates interns, um, 
brought food and decorations and the people from estates the estate also brought um food and and bits and bobs and like helped to help to arrange it all it was amazing and the whole thing just felt like home there was food and warmth and relationship which all fostered a sense of stability and a sense of the kingdom of god and it was all just right there just waiting to be unearthed and just waiting for that kind of collaboration and that willingness to kind of receive from others which came up in the chat um, and I, I'm really, yeah, I'm keen on this topic and I, I wanted to share with you a prayer that I've written for NECN, which is a National Estates Church Network. If you don't know it, look it up. It's a really, really great resource and um, just a group of people who are connecting people on estates and I wrote this for them. It's a prayer, so if you want to, you can actually respond with the, with the um, orange um, in the print. Holy One. You are outside of time and we are so often out of time, out of luck and out on the edge of all that looks like blessing and satisfaction. Eternal God, stand with us while we wait. Lord Jesus, you taught us well and gave us words that fill us up more than food. So as we queue for tins and nappies, for a space to give what we too can bring. Eternal God, stand with us while we wait. Spirit of life, flame of heaven, you are warm and energizing, but this world, your world, can be cold and empty. These people, your people, can be brittle and flaky. Eternal God, stand with us while we wait. So I'm sure you've got examples of your own about how God can be unearthed right in front of you. Um, and those are just two ways I am. Um, I hope that that kind of helped a little bit to elaborate on that point. And then the second way, I think, noticing the time, I'm doing okay, I think. Um, is proclamation. Um, it's obviously the formal idea of telling people about God. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are so many amazing people who have stood up in, at St. Aldate's and proclaimed the gospel. But I want to look at it in a different way, really, looking at it, proclamation as a way in which we share home with others. Um, because the way in which we tell the gospel to others, I think, is how we open up the kingdom of heaven to them and it's part of making home here and now the two things are hand in hand so whether in actions and or words i think it's important to know what we mean to say about god to others and if you've ever done that exercise where you just kind of write down like if you had if you wanted to tell someone five main points about the gospel what would be those five main points what is the good news for you? We've seen what that looks like in action. Talked about the food and warmth, relationship, sense of security. But there are also words to be spoken. And we need to work out what we know about God already. 
you look at the woman at the well, she just kind of gets it and then runs around saying, could this be the Messiah? And just the question, like not fully knowing even, but just the question provokes others to come and come and see. They, they're drawn to God because of the question she asks. And I think we are each called to be part of this homemaking, even as we each make our own way home. Um, as we commit to the kingdom, I think we become these luminous eschatological indicators, flashing lights, pointing towards God, proclaiming the good news, delivering the good news into the hands of others. But really importantly, it's in this present, this real time, tangible ways. I think this is our shared calling. And so I've written this like mini gospel, which ends with a kind of commission. There's the commission on the screen, but I'm gonna read this little kind of mini gospel, uh, mini theology I've written for you um, on the topic of home. And um, I hope that it draws the themes together and helps you to get ready to join in with making it home. Here we go. God has come down to earth, which is God's own home. And Jesus Christ pitches his tent among us. He is born, grows and is nurtured, walks beside us, teaches and calls and theologizes and loves the people on his path, making his kingly home here on earth. A home where he rests and eats, serves and leads and does not avoid the complexity or the suffering that is present in this broken home. Jesus walks that awful path to the cross. This is his commitment to the kingdom. The arms of God are stretched out. The psalm is spoken. The one that takes lament and real pain seriously. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we are left in suspense. Will there be victory? Will there be a way home? Our Lord descends into darkness to death, the light of the world. But this light must rise and on the third day, as stated in scripture, resurrection comes. Ascension follows, he makes it home. The curtains torn and the light spills through, the spirit pours forth and each of us is called to make it home. Come home, women of God. Sit at the feet of the one who longs for your company. Let your heart be opened to the security of God's love. Even as we live with the uncertainty of this world. Unearth this too easily hidden treasure and proclaim the truth so that others 
might find their way home. So just as we come to the conclusion of my part in this conference, um, I'd love to be able to pray for you. So um, I'm hoping that's all right. Yeah. Um, so if I can just invite you to welcome the Holy Spirit wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, get comfortable. Put your hands out, open your arms, open your hearts, most importantly. We pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. God, we pray for all of those hurts, for all of those times when we've not received or offered that sense of home that you offer to us. God, would you inspire us? Would you show us how you are making your home here in the people that are around us, in the churches, in the shops and places of work? How can we get involved, God? Lord, would you inspire us to find ways in which we can work in this time of a pandemic, in this time when we feel restricted, to seek your kingdom. We know, Lord, that you have had victory and that you will have victory. And we want, we long to be part of that. We pray, God, that you would give us humble hearts, that we would be able to receive these things, the food, warmth, relationship, a sense of safety. We'd be able to receive them and know that they come from you and that they come as a symbol of your hope. And would we be prepared to offer them? Would we plan and would we envision and would we strive to offer to others what you have so willingly gave to us? Pray in the name of Jesus Christ. hand you back to Lena I think now for the next part. Fantastic well Sophie thank you so much for um, such inspiring words and for leading us and um, praying for us. Um, 
And what we want to do is now is just have a bit more of a conversation, deep diving into um, that theme of relationship. And we're going to talk about friendship and life in community. And we've just been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm inspired by Tori Wells um, as a person, as an amazing model of that. So um, we're going to be talking about um, yeah, friendship, life in community. Um, so I'm Laura. Um, just to introduce myself really quickly, I'm an Aldenander for Wycliffe and a member of St. Aldate's Church. Um, and this is Tori. Do you want to just briefly introduce yourself to us, Tori? Yeah, I'd love to. And I think we'll probably be a mouthpiece for um, extending what Sophia said. Um, everything that came up in the breakout rooms, everything that she's covered seems to um, be an incredible um, first step into what we want to talk about as well. So um, it's a really nice point of reference. Um, I'm Tori. There's a couple of us in the church, actually, um, Victoria. So I'm Tori Wells. And um, it was the church weekend away. I was known as Runner Tory um, rather than Curly Haired Tory or um, I think Countryside Tory. So there's there's a couple of us. Um, I'm a teacher. I've just changed schools actually this academic year from an incredible um, split site, huge state school um, out in Tame, and I'm at now a tiny, tiny school in central Oxford. Um, and it's been an incredible transition when we're talking about community and friendship. Um, to know my colleagues so much better. Um, I'm, I'm cycling, running. Um, the first time Laura and I met, actually, she was a tail walker at Park Run. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, um, the very first time we met was at Park Run, wasn't it? And the way that you, you just like scooped me up and said, oh, we're always here and we're part of the community. And I didn't think I've ever felt so loved by someone when I very first met them. Um, mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you are a runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Parkrun's one of my favourite communities, but there's also church community and lots of other types of community. Um, one of our first um, sort of launch questions would be, um, what does life in community look like for you at the moment? Mm, um, so I think John 10.10 is an excellent um, reference point for me in terms of community. So the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, um, but I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness. And seeking after the fullness of life, I think, is what we endeavour when we drive towards community. Um, I suppose I see it almost, if I can give an illustration, like a block of Jenga. We are as characters and personalities. And, you know, as you go through the day, your line manager is critical. So they take a block away. On your commute home, someone has road rage and they take another block away and you're suddenly left with holes. And I think what I see as community as it is now is community replenishes the blocks that others steal from us and also the enemy wishes to um, put us on unsteady ground by taking away. That's a yeah, really amazing picture. Um, I love that, um, of that taking away. And one of the things that Sophie said in her talk just now was about, um, particularly in friendship, how um, as Christians we had, can demonstrate this like countercultural commitment to our friends and countercultural commitment in our relationships. So um, can you tell me a bit about what that maybe looks like for you, um, maybe on a, like a practical example, or maybe mm. what that means to you? Yeah, I think we are called to live counterculturally. Um, and I think the springboard for me was that I was given that sort of countercultural friendship in London. I struggled in London. I found it a very desolate place in terms of um, security and community. And there's a psalm which um, was very similar to what Sophie was saying. And it says, 
um, God calls the lonely into families and that structure and that modeling of whatever age and stage they're at to be able to offer family is actually quite countercultural um, because it requires you to eliminate hurry in your life and to be present and to be available. Um, counterculturally, I think the nature of being interruptible is really important. Um, and you then provide people with a visibility of how they can access your friendship. Um, also, I think counterculturally, leading with love is a very, um, it's, it's not as, as soft a landing as you would expect it to be, particularly in the workplace. Um, and so having that softness and even practicality and um, maybe a one-arm removed sense of, I will support you, but I will not be your friend. Um, actually offering friendship in work, I think, has been a, a real game changer. I remember one of my first jobs, um, my colleague said, I'm friendly, but I'm never friends. And I thought that was very, very aggressive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, right. And so that in that statement, um, they remove themselves from ever being available um, to be supportive. So I think our nature of the knowledge of Christ's love for us and how sacrificial that is, um, actually offering genuine friendship is in itself countercultural. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, some of the things we talked about around commitment and um, yeah, that they are committing to one another. And um, a big part of that is, I think, maybe as Christians, is being knowing that we're chosen by God, like in John 15, and we're like, and Jesus is saying, I choose you. And so knowing that we are chosen by God to then choose other people. And it sounds like your colleague is, is clearly not choosing you. Like he's saying, yes, I'll be friendly, but I'm not your friend. You know, I'm not choosing you. But then when we commit in friendship to other people, we're saying... I choose you. I know that I'm chosen and loved by God, and then I choose to extend that to other people. Um, mm. I think is a really um, amazing way to demonstrate our commitment to other people. Mm. Um, I think it's a sense of equalizing as well, um, the nature of human status. And we live in a very hierarchical world, a world that is orientated around social status or, um, you know, one-upmanship, competitiveness and enabling that kind of equalization in terms of how you approach another person is something that I've, I'm growing in and learning more and more. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, Sophie said um, that friendships can be disappointing and um, I've certainly got you know experiences where I've let people down and they've let me down and that um, idea of forgiveness and reconciliation is really important in um, particularly in life and community when we're choosing to journey with one another day on day on day. Um, and again, I think that's a, an important way that we can demonstrate um, demonstrate uh, our love and friendship for mm -hmm. other people. Um, but really challenging, wouldn't you mm -hmm. say? Yeah. Um, I think that is one of the most challenging aspects of committing to uh, others. Um, and I think it takes a lot of delicate and mature journeying through friendship um, and particularly I think it's expectations in friendship and if you are a whole person you can you can support someone who at that moment in time is not feeling like a whole person and there's a mutuality I think in friendship where we go in we go through seasons and um, where we support one another when we are whole or we ask for support when we're not 
um, and but navigating what season someone else is in it, it can be really really tough and so expectation is a, a reference point of friendship that I suppose needs communicating yeah exactly and knowing when there are those moments aren't there for time to receive and time to mm. offer and and being humble enough to be able to accept that when we need it and humble enough to know to ask for it and mm. um, so last uh, last week had a difficult week and I knew that um, I have friends who <coughs> um, when I arrived they said you are like you are our family so we didn't <coughs> we didn't tidy up before you arrived because you're our family um, but I just knew I could ask and just go over there because I was like I need something I don't feel whole right now and I need mm. something from you and you can just rock up to people's homes obviously that's a bit difficult at the moment with yeah, our rule of six yeah. um how are you finding the rule of six and because you live a very sort of extroverted life where you you know socializing a lot how's that what's that looking like for you at the moment um it's been a really precious season actually um yeah i think my first um four years in oxford i've i've cooked for, i've cooked thousands of meals i've invited hundreds of people into my home um i've been privileged enough to live in homes where that is the culture um we genuinely have probably fed thousands and thousands of people um and christmas last year we sat 25 in our house um it was excellent a really really fun time in fact it'll take you about a week now to do that and shift yeah we'd have to do shifts um that was a lovely moment actually because we realized that we only had four chairs <laughs> in our house and we had 25 people coming around um so the school i worked at um there was a massive operation where they like ferried ch chairs to my house um yeah so it's been a, a shift a transition but it's been really really treasured um and i think the nature of like how jesus models knowing his 12 um and i think we were catching up um before this and laura asked like who would you use as your reference point who is a great model of friendship and i actually think there's no better model than jesus i think particularly because he did have boundaries and like we just said about expectations he does set himself apart from his friends as well and um, he does need to retreat into the wilderness when and um, the parable of the calming of the storm we see that jesus is asleep whilst his friends are in chaos and there's this figurative um, meaning behind that which really helps us boundary how we can offer friendship there's a lovely phrase in our house at the moment <laughs> which is expectation robs someone's ability to be generous and i think that's a real le lesson to be learned within friendship that we want to be generous to one another but once there's a precedent of expectation it it dilutes our joy in giving what is required because it's assumed um so i love jesus model of friendship and I think he actually did friendship in a very particular individual way. We've also, I think as a church, really loved um, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry as a book. Um, and COVID and this season has caused us to really pause and think. And then you go back to scripture and you realize it's all about knowing the ones and the twos and realizing, um, like in Luke 15, that one of your sheep is missing, one of your coins is lost and so it's been a very treasure season we've gone from a macro life to a looking people in the eyes and knowing what their hearts are saying to us life and i think that has been brilliant that's that's really that's beautiful and that's amazing and just demonstrates um 
so much of what um, some of what God's kingdom can look like um, in, in building home and building and um, what fullness can look like in the kingdom, um, which is it's just really exciting, isn't it? Um, you talked about reading the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry as a church. We also are big into rule of life here, aren't we? Mm. Um, and so and the church is <laughs> seamless segue. Um, <laughs> uh, so we have a rule of life as a church and a lot of that is about prayer and some of that's our individual prayer some of that's our um prayer with other people um um i've been part of a monastic community previously and so lived under a rule of life and found that really helpful for the way that i um have my my relationship with god and then also my relationship with others and having some specific things that i'm committed to in terms of reconciliation with people that Mm. i've got conflict Mm. with um in terms of committing to other people um do you have a personal rule of life anything that you um um, it could be written, unwritten, that you use, uh, particularly in relationship to the community. Mm, I do love, as all dates, we've committed to this rule of life. And it therefore brings a sense of community is a lifestyle, that it's one that's fully integrated and interwoven into who we are. Um, therefore, my rule of life does start f- from an individual source where I lean and are reliant on the gospel. And there's a beautiful image in theology it's called the perichoresis and it talks about the father who loves the son who loves the spirit who loves the father and there's this reciprocity and and paying forward of love but if you don't first receive love then you can't pay it forward um and i think it's in the psalms no, no sorry it's 1 corinthians um 13 isn't it um very popular one in marriage ceremonies that um if i do not have love and i'm just a clashing gong or a sounding um a resounding symbol so i think in terms of community because it's so relational and it requires so much emotional energy sometimes the rule of life is for me the source of um gospel and yeah looking in my prayer life to be filled with the holy spirit yeah that's me. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and so um, we're just going to wrap up in a moment. Mm. But um, I was reading um, something uh, the other day, and it was talking a bit about community life and um, how we can work together. And um, one of the points it was making was saying that our we're often dominated by the assumption that everything would be all right if some people would just go away. Um, and that's that's hard. And I, I, I imagine there are situations that we've all been in where we might feel like yeah, yeah my life would be easier but um only by the grace of the holy spirit and the power of the holy spirit can we um, yeah receive that love from god for ourselves and then demonstrate that to other people so um just one final question as we wrap up um because we're talking about hope we're talking about hope renewed mm. what is your hope for community mm. um that's an excellent question and one which i'm going to springboard from your comment of um just before because i do think we we will encounter tricky characters in our lives and the hope is that we've got the capacity to love them and love them as our own um and i think i'm very struck by something that was offered to me actually probably by simon ponsby um i'm very very a fan of his sermons and definitely it was offered to me at all dates and it's that sense from c.s lewis um he says In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. And even if there are tricky characters, they're going to bring out something in you. They might bring out exceptional patience. (laughs) Um, They might bring out a sense of um, extravagant generosity because you're always the one footing the bill. Um, But they're going to bring out things in you that no one else can. 
and it's tricky and it's intense discipleship, but that refining is going to cause you to be smooth and a soft landing and someone who in the kingdom of heaven is the greatest asset and someone who is modeling the type of sacrificial love that Jesus does. Jesus has boundaries. Um, he also laid down his life for his friends. Um, and so my hope is that we can keep our arm, arms open wide, that we can be hospitable. I think for me, community is one which is linked directly to hospitality. And I love that Jesus was an overcater as well. If we look at the exactly. feeding of the 5,000, he ends up with 12 baskets left over. So he, he definitely always overcated. Um, I would, my hope is that after co coronavirus, where things feel like they've been cut off and cancelled and restricted, that actually we still have a surplus that we can give to others, those tricky characters. We've got a surplus um, where we can keep driving towards community. It can be... Um, a goal that we still have amazing well what a thing to pray into what i think to be inspired by and so um we'll let that kind of flood into our prayers as we can keep going so we're going to hand back now to lena and to rachel who are going to take us into our next session thank you so much amazing yeah thank you so much both of you and i just really wanted to honor both laura and tori as well before we go into the next part of this morning i've been first-hand receiver really of both of their hospitality and generosity so i want to just say in front of everybody that these two are amazing at modeling what they were talking about then hospitality and generosity tori's an amazing cook if you ever get invited around i'd say yes and she always gives you a great portion so go hungry Thank you very much. And now we have 10 minutes in breakout rooms again before we finish off and pray together for you, for us all. But first, 10 minutes in breakout rooms. And we just want you to reflect over today's message. And we have one main question, and that is, what is one practical way in which you can respond to today's message about living life to the full? So 10 minutes in breakout rooms before we come back and pray for you. Okay, so just make sure if, if your microphone is switched on, that'd be amazing if it is turned off. Thank you. I think we're all good to go now. Amazing. I hope those breakout group um, rooms were really, really helpful. Maybe you had a chance to pray as well amongst um, the people in your room. What I've loved about the mornings that we've had so far, I was in the breakout rooms last time, and it was amazing to meet people that I've actually never met in the church before as well. So I hope that you've had an opportunity now to see some more faces and know some more names so that when, please, Lord, in a few months' time, we might be back together, we've got new friendships and new communities that are going to start up. So that's really encouraging. I just wanted to share a little um, something that I shared with Lena a few weeks ago about a word that I had on my wall when I, when I was at university. And the word was oikos, O-I-K-O-S. And that is actually now one of my favorite yogurts. If you like peach oikos, they're really great. Shout out to peach oikos. <laughs> but also, the word means in Greek, 
household or family. And at university, I had this word on the on my wall. And when Lena and I were talking about the conference a few weeks ago, I remembered how I had this word on my wall. And I just wanted to encourage us, and maybe you want to stick the word oikos somewhere in your house as well, but to remember and to think about who is in your household. And I don't necessarily mean who is who are you living with in your house, but who are the people that you spend the most time with in your life? And how are we loving them? How are we being fully present to them? Um, are we living life to the full with them? So just a little word about oikos, not just a great yogurt, also a great word to remember. Who are the people? Who has God put in our lives right now for us to be loving? I was really, really encouraged. Thank you so much, Sophie, for everything that you shared. And hopefully we'll get some of the, um, the poems and the scriptures that you had up on the screen. We'll hopefully send some of those out because Christ the Cleaner, that was beautiful amongst many other things. Um, one thing I absolutely loved was let's be mudlarkers. I've never heard that word before, but I, I don't know about you, but I want to commit to being a bit of a mudlarker and uh, unearth the treasure that is in front of me. Um, I think it's really easy to miss sometimes the things that God has right in front of us. Um, so I just want to encourage us to be mudlarkers as well. Thank you so much for wrapping it up so lovely, Rachel. I also would like to say we are now soon finishing off. We have a bit more than 10 minutes left, which is great because we also would like to have time to pray for you all and us all um, on the foundation of this very important subject to live life to the full and turn outward to other people. But before that, I really just want to say again um, that I, because we know that some people struggle to join in the beginning. And in the beginning, I, I try to give a little context to this conference. And I would like to just remind you and us again that this conference is part of a year-long theme about longing and waiting. And uh, again, I just want to emphasize and just remind you about that this whole conference is about turning outwardly towards other people and to find or discover or rediscover my calling in the midst of my longing. But that doesn't take away the fact which we know that some or maybe many of you are still in a place of deep longing for something you haven't yet seen. So what I said in the beginning is that the other events we've had during this year, the two breakfasts we've had, had focused very much about restoration and personal restoration and inner healing, because we know that traveling through these kind of seasons of longing and waiting can be very painful or difficult or a challenge to navigate through. So what I said in the beginning is, I think it's important to hold together these different parts of both acknowledging our longing and acknowledge the pain which very often comes to that and know that Jesus is our first friend and lover and the, the main lover who can deepest heal us and restore us. And we need to hold that together, this fact that we need to, to grow deeper in our relationship with him, but at the same time, 
turn outwardly to other people and serve God and other people. Because he's our first and our big lover. But that doesn't take away the fact that we also need each other and love and relationship with other people. Because God's love is reflected through other people. And we can receive something of God's love also through other people. So... Um, we have some minutes now before we end. So we would like to have a time of prayer. We, we just would like to pray for you all again and commit you into God's hands. And I just want to also connect to what we said in the beginning. We, we would love you to find and discover your calling in the midst of your longing. So let's pray to them now. Thank you, dear Lord, for your presence. And thank you for your presence here in church, where not more than six people are gathered. But also thank you so much for your presence in every home. And we know that you are our closest friend. We know that you are our hope. Help us to be still in you and to receive from you what only you can give. Thank you for healing and restoration for those who need that. And thank you for meeting every one of us exactly where we are, but also where we need to be met. And you know that exactly. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for your presence, for your love, for your life, for healing and restoration. Thank you also that you want to raise us up. You want us also to raise ourselves up and stand up and walk together with you. You call us to cooperating with you in this world. So we, we ask for us all. Help us to lift our eyes and see your bigger picture. Help us to see something of your mission in reconciling the world with you, which has made possible once and for all on the cross. Thank you for your death and resurrection, Jesus. Thank you that you are alive today. Thank you that you are our closest friend. And thank you for your presence through your Holy Spirit. And help us to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear. And I ask for everyone gathered in this conference today that they will sense your presence. That they again will be filled with you, Holy Spirit, and we ask again that every one of us will see where you have put us and will discover more and more of the calling you are giving us. Help us to see where you put us. Help us to see what our particular oikos is, where our household, where the people are you want me 
to look out for, who you want me to connect to, to serve and to love in many different practical ways. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to stand up and walk and work together with you. Yeah, and Father God, I just pray again that you would renew us in hope. The title of this morning has been Hope Renewed, and we just invite you in your kindness, God, to come and renew hope where maybe we haven't been feeling full of hope. We thank you that you call us um, your children and that you call us to be people of hope, to be your ambassadors. And I thank you also for the promise that we've been reminded of this morning, that Jesus, you came that we might have life to the full. And you didn't say that's when we've got X, Y, and Z. You said in, in you, Jesus, we have life to the full. So open our eyes, God, and, and expand our hearts to that reality that we have life to the full right here, right now, in Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus. We exalt you again. We say thank you that you are our reason for hope that we can trust in you, that your promises are yes and amen, and that you are worthy of us living our lives for your glory. So come amongst us. Send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit, God. Not in our strength, not by our might or by our power, but by yours. Amen. Amen. Before you read our sending verse from Romans, I would like to just thank you very much for joining us today in this first part of this conference. And we 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 are so happy to have been gathered together with you. And we also look forward to see you in the next part of this conference, which is the 31st of October, same time, 10 to 12. And I will again send out the details. And yeah, so we will, we will meet together at that morning, and that will be the second part of the conference. Um, is it something else we need to say now? Don't think so, just that we love you all and <laughs> we hope you've been blessed by this morning as much as we have here in the church. I'd love to just read a verse. Um, there was a card giving out on the first of the three events this year. There was a card um, given out which just had a beautiful verse all about God's hope in from Romans um, 15. So I'd love to just read that as, of course. That we still have very many of them and we have not been able to give them out because of... Uh, the situation we are in. But uh, I have maybe this or this uh, big pile of these cards. So I would love to give that out. And when you come to the church at some point, please ask me for them. And I'm so happy to give them out because this is the card we've had made for this season of hope in times of waiting and longing. And obviously we'd give them out in a coronavirus-friendly way. So yeah. don't worry about that. When we can do it. <laughs> Brilliant. So let me just finish with this verse from Romans 15, verse 13. I'll read it a couple of times for us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a really good day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.